morning, we'd like to begin in Psalm 8, verses 3 to 9, Psalm 8. Psalm 8, verses 3 to 9. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, O our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Mm -hmm. James Version says how majestic is your name in all the earth. Today, I'll call this message, God is Speaking. And David talks here about how he's considering, in verse 3, When I consider the, your heavens, the work of your fingers, and the moon and the stars which you have ordained. There are several passages, we could look through a lot more, but there are several passages we'll look at today, talking about, how God is speaking through the things he has made. And <clears throat> we talk about, here he talks about the moon and the stars, and the, and the heavens, the sky, and the, the, you know, the planets, everything that God has made. And it says that everything is held together by the word of his power. Everything was made by his word. He said, let there be this or that, and it happened. And these things exist and continue at his word. And his power is demonstrated through the things he has made, how everything is upheld by the word of his power. He hangs the earth on nothing. The sun, 93 million miles away, is on nothing. I was reminded the other day about how the seasons come about. We're about to have the spring equinox, and there was a and uh, the spring equinox is when the sun tilt. I mean, the earth tilts in such a way so that the direct rays of the sun go right to the equator. And then as summer comes, the earth tilts, northern, the northern hemisphere tilts toward the sun, and, the, and the, that means the southern hemisphere, the southern part of the earth, turns away from the sun a little bit. And that creates summer, winter, spring, and fall, the seasons how the earth is tilting as it's going around in the 365 days a year. It tilts to give us summer and winter. And God has ordained that. And it's just a demonstration of <coughs> engineering beyond anyone's understanding. And architecture and engineering beyond what we, you know, the brightest minds well beyond anybody in this earth. God's Majesty, how majestic is his name in all the earth. And yet, you know, 
in daily life, we can miss a lot of stuff. We really can. And sometimes we need a revival and to be reawakened to those truths. The next one we read is similar as in chapter 19, verses 1 to 7. Psalm 19, verses 1 to 7. Verse 1 to 6, I'm sorry. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven, and its circuit to the other end. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the heavens are speaking, says and it's showing God's work of his, the work of his hands. The things that God has done and he has created are speaking to us even to this day. Whether you're a Christian or not, it's speaking. Whether we hear it or not is another story. Whether we, we understand the things that God is speaking and showing us is another story. And that's where we have to ask ourselves, well, where are we? Are we in a place to perceive these things? Jesus said that the things of this world, the busyness of this world, the things of this life, the deceitfulness of, of the things of this world, and the desire of many things choke out God's word that he's speaking to us. The distraction of this world and the things of this world they blind us, they distract us, they divert us away from God's speaking. And it's, it's something that's very important that we hear what God is speaking. God, our Creator, He's speaking to us. And that's what we have to ask ourselves, are we hearing, are we perceiving, are we seeing? The sound has gone through all the earth, the words to the end of the earth, the world. So through the things that God has made, God is speaking. On the earth and above the earth and around the earth. All around, God is speaking. <clears throat> day unto day, it utters speech. Night unto night reveals knowledge be revealed to us. In Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 12 and 13,
Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. He has made the earth by his power. He has established the world by his wisdom and has stretched out the heavens at his discretion. When he utters his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens, and he causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain. He brings the wind out of his treasury, treasuries. So here it talks also about God speaking through the weather, through the wind, through the rain, through the, through the lightning, thunder, snow, ice, all kinds of things. God is speaking in these things. You, behold, you look at a, a snowflake under a magnifying glass and you see an amazing crystal, water crystal. And each snowflake, they say, is different, is unique. And how could that be, each little snowflake? But again, God's existence and the things He has made, or shown in the things He has made, His power and His glory, His authority and His existence, they're all there and with things that he has made. I remember seeing the lightning and the thunder even as a kid and just thinking about God and what he's doing. And I remember we used to bring all kinds of assumptions about it. But the fact is, is that God is speaking through the weather also, as we read here. So from there we go to Proverbs chapter 1. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 to 23. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses, at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words no, known to you. you say 20? Uh, yeah, 23, that's it. <clears throat> in this we read that God speaks in the city. God speaks in the suburbs. He speaks in the towns. It says his wisdom cries out in the streets. So there's no excuse for anyone where you are, what part of the world or what culture you're in, whether civilized or uncivilized, that God is speaking throughout the whole world. And God can bring the message of the gospel to anybody, from any part of the earth, or any culture or, or uh, um, level of uh, society. 
And in verse 33 it says, But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure and without fear of evil. Listening to him. What, was it, what is it crying out? What is it saying? It says, turn to me. Turn away from your, your sins and repent. Turn away. Turn at my rebuke. God is speaking that. In the end of one of the Gospels it says, And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached first in Judah, Jerusalem and Judah and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. Repentance. The message of repentance. Turning away at the God's rebuke. As God is speaking in the cities, in the country, in the towns, in the suburbs, wherever. He's speaking in our house. God is present and he's speaking. In chapter 2, we read verses 1 to 9. Proverbs 2, 1 to 9. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright, he is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity and every good path. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> if we receive the speaking of God and we treasure it and in turn are turn to hear and apply our heart to understanding, if we cry out for discernment, if we lift up our voice to God for understanding, and seek for it as silver and hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God as like a man who finds a treasure in a field and he sells everything he has to get that treasure. The digging and the searching. And in this is how we come to understand that we get to hear God speaking. Jesus said, seek and you will find. We begin to hear the voice of God when we seek for God with our hearts. We apply our heart to understanding, our ear to wisdom, crying out to God for discernment. Lifting up our voice for understanding. We're seeking God. Search for her as silver and, her, and search for her as hidden treasures. Then you will understand. You know, we can pursue a living. We can pursue a comfortable life. We can pursue the things that we need our necessities, but here is talking about a, gr a greater pursuit, 
the pursuit of seeking God and hearing from God. This is not something that is uh, mystical or magical. This is God connecting with us and us with Him as we seek Him, as we draw close to God. And God draws close to us as we read in the book of James. That He begins to speak. And He speaks in different ways, as we've read already, and He speaks in more ways. It says in the book of Psalms, 119, Your word... Thy word, your word, is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. A light, a lamp to our feet. He said, well, what does that mean? Well, this is a dark world. The Bible says the whole world is in darkness. And to be able to see, we need a lamp for our feet to get through this life as we travel through this light. We need the word of God to teach us and to show us. God is speaking through his word. A light for our path. To find our way in this life. To be able to see things clearly. As it says here, we read in Proverbs one thirty three. Whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil place of peace without fearing evil like David said in Psalm 23 even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil not bound in fear and anxiety it's so easy for us to walk in our natural instincts our survival instincts of fear and anxiety about the future about our safety about you know, our loved ones, about our needs, about so many things. It can just crush us. But when we read this, it talks about a safe place, a secure place, a place that's beyond fear and anxiety. It's beyond discouragement. We listen to him. Listen to what he's saying. When God speaks... Incline our hearts, turn our hearts to hear, our ears to hear. As Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Or we can be foolish and say, I'm too busy for all that. We're robbing ourselves. If we, if we have that kind of conclusion. And we may not say that, but our life says that. The way we're living says that we're too busy for that. And again, we, we need to take account of ourselves. And to re, redo our priorities in our life. In the book of Hebrews, it says... And in times past, God spoke through his prophets. But in these last times, God has spoken to us through his Son. Through the words of Jesus. We have the words of Jesus 
passed down through the ages and recorded and passed down. God is speaking to us through them. And through them and also through the apostles. Jesus said to make disciples to his the apostles and the disciples says making this make disciples teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So it is God speaks through his apostles, his disciples, and through his son. And so we ought to take a more earnest heed to the things that we've heard, lest we drift away from them. Jesus said in John 13, Jesus said, I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. He was talking to his disciples after he washed their feet. You see, Jesus' life was an example to us. And he speaks to us through his example. Peter said something similar when he said that Jesus left us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. The life of Jesus, not just his words, but his life also speaks to us. How he laid down his life for us. And he said we should do that as he did for us. To give our lives for one another. In the church, in the families, in, in, the, in the neighborhoods, in the workplace. To give our lives, lay down our lives for others, one another. To love our neighbor as ourself. Yes, God is speaking to us. But have we been on the wrong channel? Have we not been hearing that? Maybe we're at a place right now where we can't even receive that. And that's where we have to really do some soul searching to rid ourselves of the hardness of heart that comes in life. It comes naturally. Hardening our heart is something that if we just walk in a natural life, comes naturally to harden our hearts. We don't have to do anything to harden our hearts except to not listen to God. Not listen to what He's saying. Not following Him. And our hearts will become like a rock. The Word can't penetrate. The seed, the roots cannot penetrate. God has spoken to us through the things he's done. The Old Testament, we read that the things that were written back then in the Old Testament are written for our learning and warning. Admonition means warning and correction. God is speaking to us through those stories of David, of Adam and Eve, of Noah, of Moses, of Samuel, of Daniel. It just goes on and on. We could just go on and on talk about all different stories. God is speaking to us through these different stories, different messages. God is speaking through the prophets. God is speaking through His Son to us today. God is speaking. He's speaking to me and you. Young and old, from a child to the oldest of us, God is speaking. But we could say, well, 
I'm not hearing it. I'm not getting it. When I say that God is speaking, He may not be necessarily speaking in a way where we're hearing it with our ear. But He is speaking. There's speaking that's perceived by the natural ear. And there's a spiritual hearing. He who has ears to hear in the Spirit. Eyes to see in the Spirit. Spiritual eyes, spiritual ears. And a heart of understanding. God is speaking. And that's where we have to unshackle ourselves from being overburdened by the things of this life. So we don't allow those things to choke out the word and we become unfruitful. God is using everybody he can use. But if we're not in a place where he can use us, if we're just wrapped up in the affairs of this life. And I found myself in, in that place more than once. And God put a spiritual mirror in front of me and said, you want me to use you, but you're not in a place where I can use you. Things have to change. Priorities have to change in your life. I can't use you very much in the place you're at right now. God wants to use us. He wants to speak to us. He wants us to hear and, and to perceive the things He is saying. Jesus said to His own disciples who had seen His, his miracles for three years, Are you dull of hearing? He said to them. Are you hard of hearing spiritually? Even though you've seen all this, you've heard my preaching every day, you've seen my miracles, you've seen every, my life, my example. He said, you're not getting it. Are you hardened? Are you, is your heart still hard? Is what he asked his own disciples who are with him every day. Three years every day. Is your heart hard? And he asked it to them because they still weren't getting it. God is speaking through another way, too. And from there we go to John chapter 14. Verses 25 to 27. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. When we read this, Jesus is telling us the Holy Spirit is guiding us. He is communicating with us in a spiritual way. There's communication going on. But once again, just like in everything else we've talked about, are we in that place where we are perceiving the things that He is communicating to us? 
that he's guiding us in. That he's teaching us. He's guiding us. He says he will teach us all things. And be, be a constant reminder to us. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is peace. And Jesus is talking about it here. Is the peace of God ruling our hearts. That's a sign that we're being led by the Holy Spirit. That our heart's not troubled and afraid. That our heart isn't in turmoil. Because if it is, we have to take a, a good hard look at ourselves. A very honest look at ourselves and say, if the God, peace of God is not ruling my heart, why not? If I'm troubled and afraid, why? Why? The Holy Spirit is communicating, and we're not getting it. We're not hearing. We're not, we're not receiving that guidance, that communication, that peace that passes all understanding. That something is missing that needs to be connected or to be connected more tightly. <laughs> you know, if a lamp is plugged in halfway, sometimes it'll be flickering because as people walk around the room, that, that plug's moving back and forth. Have you ever seen that? Uh, you know, kind of the connection's kind of in and out, in and out, and that's kind of what happens. You know, we're kind of there and we're not. We're born of the Spirit. We live in the Spirit. And we are hearing from the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. Jesus said He wouldn't leave us as orphans. That He would come to us. He Himself, He in His presence, would come to us and live inside of us. Why is it, though, that it's so far from our minds sometimes? Because we're being diverted away from it by the flesh, the world, the enemy. All the tricks in the, in, the, in the toolbox. All the tools in the toolbox to try to get us to divert from that communication that God is speaking to us and us to Him. And we are hearing from Him and we're receiving His guidance and He's teaching us. And we're growing. Because if He's teaching and guiding us, we're growing. And we have peace in our hearts. In chapter 16 of John, verses 13 and 14. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. Mm -hmm. I want you to take a look at two words that we just read in there. It says, but whatever he hears, he will speak. See that word, speak? And in verse uh, 14, he says, at the end of it, he says, he will take of what is mine and declare to you. The word declare. 
And he repeats that in, at the end of verse 15, which we didn't read. He will declare it to you. He will take of mine and declare it to you. Speak and declare. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us and declaring things to us. Really basically saying the same thing, making declaration. A declaration is an important statement that's being made. Declaration of independence. You think of an important document. He's declaring things to us. Heavens declare God's handiwork. God is speaking through His Holy Spirit to those who are in Christ. We who are Christians, God is communicating things to us through His Holy Spirit. Things in His Word as we read it. It's not just, you know, too many... I've been to, in churches where it's, it's, thin, it's thin Christianity. It's mental Christianity. You read the Word of God and you apply logic and human wisdom to it. That's not what God is... That's not the way God is working this. God is working this in a different way. He is communicating to us through His Holy Spirit. This is not think religion. This is not the religion of the brain. These are the words of the Spirit. And He's speaking to our spirit. He's communicating to us through the ministry. He communicates as we speak to one another and encourage one another. In fellowship, God speaks to us. He speaks to us in His Word. In Hebrews, it says that the Word of God is sharp and powerful, more, more powerful than any two-edged sword, and cuts the dividing of the soul and the spirit. And it, it discerns the thoughts and intentions of our own hearts. It's a discerner. It looks to us and it shows us and declares things to us and exposes things. It exposes things that aren't right in us and things that are right and we should follow. God is speaking to us. His Holy Spirit speaks to us as we read His Word. The lamp to our feet and light to our path. It's not going to be a lamp to our feet unless we allow the Holy Spirit. For listening to the Holy Spirit and letting the Holy Spirit communicate to us. Not walking in pride as we look at the Word of God and saying, Lord, I got this, you know, and you can, I'll take over the wheel here and I'll just understand this for myself and, and, and speak what I think and use my logic and my pride and my intellectual wisdom. Nonsense. Words of the Holy Spirit. Teaching us and guiding us as we look into His Word. And it comes alive to us as we acknowledge Him. As we acknowledge His power and authority to teach us and to guide us. So that's how we should approach His Holy Word. We shouldn't approach, oh, I've got to read a chapter, so let me read and see what it says. And, oh yeah, look at that. And then, you know, okay, we do that. We've all done that. <clears throat> now, Pray for God, seek God's wisdom, cry out for wisdom and discernment and understanding we read in the book of Proverbs. That God would teach us, that we're depending on Him to teach us. I'm not saying, God, I got this. God, Lord, teach me to humble ourselves under His mighty hand. 
Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. And they follow me. There is examples throughout the whole Bible of people who harden their hearts to the voice of God and the disasters and problems and the troubles they brought upon themselves. Are we hearing His voice? Are we hearing what He's saying? Are we content to hear a little bit of it, but, you know, just block it from other areas of our life and just hear it, you know, rely on hearing from God in the past and just resting on what we heard from God in the past and just kind of, you know, drifting along, being a drifter, piece of driftwood, drifting along. This would be a day of examination. We examine ourselves. Paul said, to see if we're in the faith, to see if we're in a place where we're hearing from God. And my goodness, let's stop all the excuses. We all can make them, we all have made them. Let's really take this seriously and wake up and let that God bring a revival into our hearts where we need it. We need revival. And let it happen. Let God speak to our hearts and enliven us and fill us with the Spirit. That's all I have. Any others? Brother Dan, looking with you. Have see you again today. See you for a while. <clears throat> Last week, we spoke about how the Lord speaks. And we thought about different ways that he spoke through through nature and the things that God has created are evidence not only of his existence but is his handiwork. And this morning we want to continue on that theme of God speaking. And this would be part two of that. And we will begin in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. <coughs> Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Seek singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And this is an expression of fellowship. <clears throat> it says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The necessity of fellowship, of having a relationship with one another, of loving one another as brothers and sisters, and having a relationship with each other in which the Word of God here says speaking with one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That God speaks to us through each other. And in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 we have a similar 
statement. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Very similar to what we read in Ephesians chapter 5. But in this it talks about teaching each other. And the word admonish, which we don't use too often anymore. It's an old, it's an old world word. Admonish means to warn and to correct. Teach, correct, and warn each other. <coughs> Excuse me. These are words of which we help one another and God speaks to us through each other. And we also read that in the book of James it says, Brothers, if any among you wanders from the truth and one of you turns him back, it says, let him know that one who does this shall save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. This importance of fellowship we see is being emphasized in that God is speaking to us through each other. God has, I remember one time, more than one time, I was talking to new Christians and God spoke to me through a young Christian more than once, many times. That freshness of it and the vibrance and the energy that a new Christian can bring and the excitement of being a new believer. I can remember uh, God even speaking uh, through many different uh, circumstances in fellowship. And it is a message to us of the importance of fellowship. This week we've been going through 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we don't have time to look at that now. But one of the things that the statement that Paul asked is, He's talking about we're different members of the body, and God has set each member as he's chosen within the body. <coughs> and those that are very weak, even he has set in the body for purposes, maybe that we can't see or understand, unless we're really in tune. But one of the things that Paul asks, he says, Shall the arm say to the foot, I have no need of you? And you know, <clears throat> we can miss the boot when it comes to the importance of fellowship. Can we say we don't really need each other, and yet God has set this, this whole organized thing, this body called the church, the body of Christ, he has set it in such a way that we need each other? And if we don't recognize that, Not just in meetings, but in relationship, in fellowship with one another. <clears throat> we'll read a couple others. 
One is in uh, <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10 and verses 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Mm -hmm. In the King James it says to provoke one another to love and good works, or to here it says to stir up one another to love and good works. <coughs> one of the purposes of having a relationship with each other that God uses to speak to each other and to is to encourage one another in our, in our time together. And it's, it, this is speaking specifically of meetings, not forsaking the gathering of our assembling of ourselves together, as is the matter of some. But it goes beyond that time of, of meetings and it in relationship to the word exhort means to encourage one another and it says uh, to consider how we can God can use us to, to stir each other up how can God use me and to seek God in prayer how can God use me to be an encouragement to build up my brothers and sisters in Christ not just to build up myself but to build each other up how can I build up the members of my family how can I build up my wife my husband how can I build up my children how can I how can God use me consider how God can speak through me can we be a vessel of honor that God can use that God can use as a mouthpiece to speak through because God is speaking through his church. God is speaking through us. If we allow him to. But encourage one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. The day of the Lord. The closer we come to the day of Christ. He says the more we should do it. That's something we'll talk about a little later. By the way, for the young folks, this is the, the questions today are going to be on the things that we read in this meeting, the scriptures we read on in this meeting. So I throw that in there. And another one in the book of Hebrews is in chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Hebrews 3, verses 12 and 13. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now in here it talks about the responsibility of brothers and sisters in Christ toward each other. We have a responsibility for our own walk. We have a responsibility for each other. And it says, beware. It's talking about an evil heart of unbelief departing from the Lord. And it says, but instead, 
it says to in exhort or to the word exhort again meaning encourage encourage one another daily we don't have meetings daily daily means every day as we come in contact with each other as we communicate with each other to be an encouragement to each other let God speak through us I know recently in recent past couple of years Kate is actually going on the Facebook just to continue her mother's ministry of putting Bible verses on Facebook uh, to, pe to different people and you know and even unbelievers have commented positively for some of the things that, uh, that the Word of God has spoken to them. Different ways we can encourage one another in the church and even outside the church. That God can use us, that God can speak through us. God is speaking through us to each other. And God is speaking to us, to the unbelievers. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father in heaven. Our life and our words, God will use them and speak through them to save people. Not just the televangelists, not just people on TV preaching. God can use each of us to speak to one another, to speak to the unbeliever. God speaking through us. Be reconciled to God. As we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, as though God is speaking through us, make peace with God. God is speaking through us. To each other in the church, and also to those who are not yet saved. In ways that we may not even realize through our words, through our actions, through our attitude, through our way of life. It says, Peter says that people will think it's strange that we don't uh, live in the same excess of indulgence as they do. In other places it says that people will ask, be ready to, a to answer what is, what is the reason for the hope that's in us. People will see that there's something in us, a hope in us, that they don't have. And it's real. Some weeks ago, Dave gave a testimony of somebody who said to them, you have something, and I want to know what it is. The testimony of the Christian life, the Christian attitude, the peace that passes all understanding... What is that? God is speaking through us in many ways. To those who are in darkness. The light in the darkness. You are the light of the world in the dark world. You and me are the light of the world. Jesus said he was the light of the world. And he said that we are the light of the world. As we follow him. We walk in the spirit. <clears throat> Encourage one another daily. <clears throat> the Christian responsibility to one another. The seeing of the need. One of the things that was impressed upon me 
that God, God impressed upon me early in my Christian life was the need for fellowship. And how did it happen for me? Well, the first couple years of my Christian life, I didn't really know any Christians, except a couple of people who became believers that I, in my family who I talked to. But I was kind of just, I really didn't have fellowship. And I remember one time, uh, my bro one brother who became a believer, he uh, was part of a church, and he invited me to become part of their baseball team, softball team. Uh, it was like a church league thing, and I, I remember joining it, and one day the uh, the assistant pastor of his church, I was sitting down with him, we would talk to him, nice guy, really nice guy, and uh, one day I was telling him about this uh, book I was reading, about a guy named Herbert Armstrong, and it was uh, it was about this strange teaching about end times, and you know, I don't go into all of it, but, you know, he said to me, after he listened to me for a few minutes, he said, you know what? He said, you really ought to be careful. He says, Armstrongism is actually a cult, and some of that stuff in there isn't biblical. And I was stunned and shocked. And, and then I went back, and I started looking more carefully. And that guy's right. That brother was right. I began to realize that, you know, and, and I, I was hearing preachers on the radio and on TV saying, talking about the need for fellowship. And I realized, and I began to feel kind of silly, I realized, you know, I really got deceived. And, and began to realize the need for fellowship and the need for one another. And that God needed, you know, and, and I realized as I started committing to that, and started visiting different churches and started getting plugged into church, the church world, Christendom and everything, uh, that God was using different people. I was starting to grow. First couple of years was very uh, fits and starts, but I started to grow as a Christian. And it was through, God was using, God was speaking to me for fellowship. And since then, kind of laid a foundation for the to me for the importance of fellowship. And it's not just me saying, I mean, you see it here, what we're reading as we read about the evil, unbelieving heart, it talks about instead of that, to beware of that, instead to encourage one another daily. God is using each of us in the body to encourage one another, to build each other up, to strengthen one another. In Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about the different gifts within the body of Christ to build one another up to, so that we become mature. God is speaking through each other. <clears throat> in the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 18, it talks about um, the prayer of agreement. If any of you agree together, ain't two, if two of you agree together concerning anything in this earth, it will be done by my Father in heaven. Because where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. The importance of establishing relationships, having prayer partners, having prayer meetings, you know, having <clears throat> um, a brother or sister that we can really um, confide in. Last week, Gabriel was talking about uh, the this, this discovery of <clears throat> him and Megan 
a husband and wife reading the Word of God together. And they just started, and they're, 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 they're started the New Testament together. And they're going through the Gospel of Matthew first. And he said, what, a, what a, a difference that is made for them to read the Word and to pray together. And how it has changed things so much in their relationship. Because fellowship amongst believers, God uses one another to speak to one another. In 1 John chapter 1, it says, If we walk in the light, as He, God, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. There is a connection between our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. For walking in the light, for walking in the Spirit, there's a connection with one another that we don't have when we're not walking in the Spirit. And so these kinds of things we have to, to, to rake in and take consideration to. To understand that God is speaking to us. To one another. It's another way he is speaking to us. And the importance, and not saying, well, we don't need each other. We may never say that, but we might have that kind of attitude about fellowship and about being having relationships, close relationships with one another in the church. There is a brother uh, who moved out to Arizona. Some of you know him, Reed Marino, who used to talk about James where it's in chapter 5 where it says confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that we might be healed um, <clears throat> it's really hard to confess your faults to people that you don't know real well mm. that you don't have an intimate relationship with that's kind of that's hard to do I mean sometimes you do but the point is and the point that he tried to make is that you know <clears throat> Fellowship uh, should bring about, and you know, a culturing of fellowship should bring about intimacy and closeness. And as we get in that closeness, we begin to discuss our struggles. As we feel comfortable, we, we develop a, a, a comfort zone within our relationship to be able to talk to one another and to, and to un, you know, to share our burdens with one another. And to, so that we can pray, we know how to pray for each other then. And the respect that that of the of that um, of that um, sharing with one another should have that we should respect it and respect one one another's confidence and you know if we don't if we're not really have a closeness with one another we don't know whether we can have we can trust each other's confidence to get to know each other a very important aspect of fellowship to be able to, conf to be able to speak about our struggles to one another that ta that takes uh, intimacy closeness to be able to do that and you know, to feel have a comfort and to have uh, that kind of uh, thing I'm kind of repeating myself but you know what I you know what I mean in it <coughs> So 
So I'm going to move on from there to another way that God is speaking. Uh, let's shift gears here a little bit. And that comes from Matthew chapter 16. Okay. <laughs> Matthew 16, verses 1 to 3. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites! You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Mm -hmm. One passage says, how is it that you can, you can do this, but not discern the signs of the times? Jesus was talking here about an old world way of recognizing what kind of weather you're going to have the next day. Before AccuWeather or anything else, People used to look at the sky at night, and if it was red, uh, they, <clears throat> then uh, the next morning, the next day was supposed to be nice weather. But if it's red in the morning, then <clears throat> it's bad weather that day. <clears throat> I have a friend of mine <clears throat> used to be a fisherman down in Cape May, New Jersey, and uh, he said the saying they used to have was, red sky at night, sailor's delight. Red sky in the morning, sailor's warning. It was an old world way of before they had all the weather instruments and everything else. And even now, it's not that not as accurate as we'd like it to be. But the point is that Jesus was trying to make getting back to that was he says, you know how to discern the, the face of the sky with the weather through the signs in the sky. And he says, but how is it you cannot discern the signs of the times? That you can't don't recognize the signs of the times. And Jesus was speaking about, in his generation, that the Jewish people were still talking about the coming of the Messiah. I mean, if you talk to many Jews today, they don't even believe that there's a Messiah. They don't believe in the God of Israel anymore. There are many of them are in unbelief. Some of them do, and some of them even believe in Jesus as the Christ. But precious few. But in Jesus' time, they're waiting for the Messiah. And he's, and he's doing all these signs and wonders. He's raising the dead. He's casting out demons. He's healing the sick, cleansing lepers, doing all kinds of miracles. Feeding the 5,000 with the five loaves and two fishes. He just goes on and on. Turning water into wine. <clears throat> and if you look at verse 4, or verse 1, I'm sorry, what we just read. 
They asked Jesus to show them a sign from heaven. <laughs> In the book of Isaiah, it talks about the blind seeing, the lame walking. The signs that <clears throat> Jesus was asked by the disciples of John the Baptist. John the Baptist sent him from prison. His disciples, they asked Jesus, Are you the Messiah? Or is there somebody else? Is there somebody else coming? Well, wait a second. John the Baptist pointed at, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But when John was in prison, he began to have doubts. <clears throat> and Jesus' response to his disciples is, Go back and tell John in prison, The lame walk, the blind are seeing, the dead are raised. Blessed is he who is not offended in me. <clears throat> so Jesus was confirming, yes, he is the Messiah. He was quoting from the, the book of Isaiah. And so Jesus was doing all these signs. And they didn't recognize him. And Jesus, when he wept over Jerusalem, and he talked about how he... He prophesied how Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. He wept over Jerusalem and talked about the destruction of Jerusalem and the massacre that was going to happen at the end of that generation. And he says, because you did not know the time of your visitation, the visiting of the Messiah to them and giving his life for them and the judgment that came upon them. God was speaking to them that's why he said, how is it you don't discern the signs of this time? God was speaking to them through the things he was doing, things Jesus was doing, the things Jesus was speaking. Jesus' life, his testimony, it was clear. And yet the, the disciples, I mean the Pharisees, the religious people, they weren't getting what God was speaking. Give us a sign from heaven. And there were signs all over the place that he was the Messiah. God was speaking. They didn't have ears to hear. We remember the words Jesus said. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And also in the book of the Revelation. <clears throat> uh, where he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To have ears to hear as God is speaking. And you know, God is speaking to our generation too. There are signs of the times all around us. They're everywhere. The nation of Israel, back in their homeland... In the last days, it says in the book of Zechariah that Jerusalem will be a burdensome stone to all the nations around it. It says there will be signs of earthquakes and famines and pestilences. And we see the word pestilence standing out like a sore thumb as we've seen uh, the COVID plague that came upon us and other things that, from, that have come and are still with us, and some have gone. But the point is, is that <clears throat> there are signs in this generation. 
there are more earthquakes. People have more people have died in earthquakes <clears throat> in the last century than have died than have recorded a dying in all the centuries before that. We live in an age of earthquakes, wars and rumors of wars. In the past week, another war has broken out. A hundred years ago, we had. The, the, what they called the Great War, the war, the end all wars, World War One, in which five million soldiers died, plus about a, another three million civilians, and you were hard to believe the carnage of that. And that war, to end all wars, that peace lasted twenty years, and you had an, a, you had even a more massive war, um, World War Two, which about fifty million people died. Plus, not mention all the casualties. And then many wars after that. And rumors of wars, the Cold War. And we have the rumors of international nuclear war and all this other stuff. And Jesus said, unless those days would be shortened, no one would survive. It takes today's technology to completely obliterate a civilization. But Jesus said, because... But my elect, those who are his, those days will be shortened. Not only did he save us from our sins, but he will save the human race from complete destruction. The signs are all around us. As we go to <clears throat> Luke 17. God is speaking to us through current events, through things that are happening in our lifetime. Luke 17. Hmm. Beginning in verse 26 <coughs> to verse 36. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in those days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever sees, seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night there will be two men in one bed. The one will be taken, and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken, and the other left. Two men will be in the field. The one will be taken, and the other left. 
Jesus gives us here some signs that speak to our time. The days of Noah were days of violence and corruption. It says that man's heart was only continually to do evil. You don't have to look very hard to see the corruption around us. It's everywhere in our society. It's on the internet. You know, uh, I remember one person who talked to me about the internet and said that it was a, he described it as a world of iniquity. It can be used for many good things, too. I'm not saying that, but there's a lot of garbage on there, a lot of, like an open sewer. And so the point is, is that this is the world we live in now. A completely uncensored world where everything, a lot of things that were at one time restrained, are no longer being restrained. And you see the, the violence. You know, I, I, I go look at the news on my phone, Reaction News, and it talks about Every day you see shootings in Philadelphia and even here in Norristown, there's, there's people dying of shootings every day. A lot of them are really young. And the, and the violence in schools and, and in workplaces and nightclubs and you just name it. There's violence everywhere. Man's heart continually to do evil. Vi domestic violence. You know, just every kind of violence you can imagine. And it's just getting worse. And Jesus also talked about it being like the days of Lot. Where God just pulled Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it was a time that was a place of great sexual perversion and immorality. And uh, like I said, you don't have to look very far to see that. And it says that Lot was vexed every day. With the, with the corruption that was all around him. As we are vexed as we look around us, is a corrupt world and, and a dark world. And as Jesus said, evil men would grow worse and worse. This is the world we live in today. And it is speaking to our generation. It is speaking to this generation of Christendom. That get ready. Because he's coming. And it says that two people will be in the field, one and take another left behind. Jesus is talking about the days of his coming here. Verse 22, as we go back to it. Then he said to his disciples, The days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. This is the day of Jesus' return he's talking about. That it would be a day like a time like the time of Noah and the time of Lot. That was so corrupt. How corrupt was the days of Noah? He drowned the whole earth. Except for Noah and his family. That's how corrupt it was. He started over. He destroyed all of creation. How corrupt was the days of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and all the cities around it? He destroyed the cities with fire. And in the book of Jude, it says it was an example to those who would live immoral after that. 
It's a warning. How God, seriously, God takes all this. How seriously we should take it. And it's a witness from every generation after that. Yes. An immoral, perverted world. That we live in. And we see it all around us. And it's speaking to us. But are we aware of it? Are we in tune with what God is saying about the time we live in? And what need there is for each of us to shine our lights in this darkness? Because the darkness is getting darkness, darker. And how God can use us in this darkness if we're available. God is speaking. Are we hearing the call? Are we taking heed to the call? God is speaking to us through all these circumstances. And he's telling us to get ready. Who is the wise and faithful servant? Servant is watching, waiting, and occupying until he comes. And he speaks of that through all of his messages about his second coming. When these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with overindulgence, drunkenness, the cares of this life, and that day come you upon you unexpected, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. Watch therefore and pray always, that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. Be ready for when he comes. Be preparing and be ready to be in the field, one to take and other left behind. Two women grinding at the mill, one taken, another left behind. And this goes on and on. Talking about people who Jesus takes to be with him. Commonly known in the church as the rapture. And people left behind. When is the rapture coming? We don't know. Jesus says the Son of Man is coming at a time you don't expect. And a day and an hour that the angels didn't know, but only the Father knows. We don't know. Anybody gives you a day, don't believe it. Because we don't know. But as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in the marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And did not know until the flood came and took them all away. 
so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. The thief in the night. It says that the Lord's coming will be like in the thief in the night, Paul wrote. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler of his house, to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whose master, when he comes, will find so doing. But if that evil servant says in his heart, My master is delaying in his coming, and the master of that servant will come in a day when he is not looking for him, an hour that he is not aware of. I have heard Christians say, or people in Christendom say, Oh, he's not coming for a long, long time. My answer to them is always the same. Well, how do you know? In 2 Thessalonians, it says that there's a restrainer of evil. But it says that restrainer of evil will be taken away. And then the man of sin will be revealed. The Antichrist. The restrainer of evil, as we day to day, we can see that that restrainer is being removed day by day, you know, in God's way, however he's doing it. That restraint of evil, and that's why it's becoming a Sodom and Gomorrah world. That's why it's becoming a pre-flood world, because that restrainer is being taken away. We read in the book of Revelation about the mark in the hand and in the forehead. Look at the old King James says in, not on. Newer translations, I guess, thought that that was a mistake and they translated on. But the older translations write in the right hand and in, in the forehead. The mark of the beast. And now we, we, we see that it makes sense, the word in, because we see the computer chip implants and all the technology is here to control all the world's transactions through a mark in the hand and in the forehead, uh, you know, in the body, to be read through technology we have now. It's there. And we also see the technology where communication is increased between different languages. They have all kinds of methods now, technology methods to be able to understand other languages very quickly and very simply through the technology we have now. But if we go back to the book of Genesis, we read about Babylon. We read about the Tower of Babel and God looking at it and says, there's not going to be any restraint of any evil that they might do now. Nothing shall be withheld from them. And so what did God do? He says he confused their languages. So they separated from one another. What we see with today's technology, that's being reversed. We read in the book of Revelation about mystery Babylon, using the word Babylon. <clears throat> There's an advertisement on the, that I hear on the radio about, a, about a, an app that you can get, or, or a, a, a system that you can buy, and it's called Babel. <laughs> and it's uh, 
uh, it's where you can learn new languages very simply, very easily. And they actually use the word Babel. This is where the word uh, Babel comes from, the word Babylon, where the, where the languages are confused. It's happening in our time. God is speaking to us through the things he has spoken in his word, and he's speaking to us and confirming them through what is going on in the world around us today. We might be skeptical, cynical, blow it off, but Jesus warned. That's the person who gets careless. You're blowing it off. Ah, the Lord's not coming for a long time. Jesus specifically talked about that person who pushed it aside as being the person who's not going to be ready. Pointed right to that person. You are not going to be ready if you have a cavalier, careless attitude about the signs of the time. You can tell the face of the weather, but how is it you cannot discern the signs of the times? That was for the generation of Jesus' first coming, and that is for the generation of Jesus' second coming. Is Jesus coming in our lifetime? I don't know the day or the hour. But what Jesus said was this. Look at the fig tree and all the other trees. When you see that the leaves are sprouting on the trees, you know that summer is near. He was talking about that concerning the signs of the times. That would be an indication that his coming is near. He said it would be near at that very door, at the very door. We see the signs of the times. So we can choose ignorance, or we can prepare. God is speaking. Do we hear it? Are we getting it? Are we perceiving? Are we in a place where we have ears to hear and eyes to see what's going on around us? And act accordingly. That's what I have, brothers.